Welcome to the Classroom Commute Podcast, a podcast for elementary teachers who want to feel inspired each week on your ride into school. I'm your host, Rachel, and my goal is to give you simple and actionable 21st century teaching strategies that you can take into your classroom to spark the love of learning in your students. You are already amazing, and together we're going places. Thanks for taking me along for the ride. Hello and welcome back to the Classroom Commute Podcast. I'm Rachel, your host, and I hope that wherever you're joining me today, you are ready to get a little bit nerdy with me. (laughs) For the past few weeks or so, I've been exploring what it means to be a modern day 21st century classroom. And sometimes that means challenging some of the old practices and ways of thinking about how students learn and how we support our students with that new knowledge. And I've done exactly that. In fact, last week we talked all about the elements and the components that make up a 21st century classroom. And a lot of it centers around creating spaces of collaboration and creativity. It's all about helping students to develop real world skills and learning to be great thinkers and reflect upon what they're learning. And all in all, just to be more active participants of their learning experiences which is quite different to the experience that I had and many of us had when we were in school. And so that's why I've kind of taken the time here in the last few episodes on the podcast to really explore what a 21st century classroom is. And you know, one of the main strands that is woven into a lot of what makes a 21st century classroom is the use of technology and multimedia. I said last week, and it's nothing that you haven't heard before, but we live in a digital world, so we need to prepare our students to be able to function in a digital world. And one of the ways that we do this is through the use of meaningful technology. So that doesn't mean that we replace tried and true methods that don't require technology. It just means that we weave it in naturally into our everyday teaching as a way to engage and encourage interaction and discovery. I came across the term in some of my research about 21st century classroom, and that term was digital natives. And it refers to those students, the ones that you're teaching right now, who have grown up with technology and have adopted to it versus people like you and me who have not. We use technology now, but it wasn't native to us. Technology was not our native language like it has become for our students. And our students are digital natives. Technology is their native learning language. And since this is the world we live in, there's been a lot of study and research around how learning through technology is processed by the brain and how it impacts our students. So this is where we're gonna get kind of nerdy. We're gonna dive a little deeper into how the brain works and how it processes information. So stay with me here. I promise it's good information and it's important for teachers to know because when we know something, we can base our teaching off of it and we can make sure that we are truly doing what's best for our students. We have learned that the brain processes information using two channels, the visual channel and the auditory channel. And what we've come to discover is that when the brain is offered both channels, the brain is able to take in and process even more information. So that leads me to my whole idea and thinking and conversation here about multimedia learning. And it's through technology that makes multimedia learning possible. By taking advantage of multiple mediums, and by that I mean images, graphics, videos, audio, and others, these are what we consider learning mediums, we can dramatically enhance student learning. And that's what 21st century instruction is all about. All right, 
I just want to give you a tiny science lesson here about the brain. I will try to make it as painless as possible because if you're not a data and research type person like me, I don't want to bore you, but I do think it's important that we all have a little background so we can really truly understand why multimedia learning works. But before we dive into the brain, let's first define multimedia. Multimedia is a form of communication that combines different content forms such as text, audio, images, animations, videos into a single interactive presentation in contrast to traditional media which has little to no interaction like printed materials. So there are a lot of definitions out there with multimedia in them and we'll just kind of use this one as our working definition just so we're all on the same page. Okay, now for the brain. So we have two types of memory. We have long-term memory and we have working memory. Our long-term memory is where we store what we already know. This is often referred to as schema, which is probably a term that you likely know and have heard, and maybe you even use it with your students when you refer to their background information, because that's what it is. Or your long-term memory is your background information. And schema helps us to chunk and organize that information in our brains so that we can draw upon it later and integrate it with new information that we're learning. And if new information that we are learning for the first time doesn't find its way into your long-term memory, it's lost, it's gone. Now, before information can be integrated into long-term memory, it first must be processed by our working memory. So that's the second type of memory. Our working memory is limited. It can only handle small amounts of information at a time. If you were with me a few episodes ago, I did an episode, a podcast episode, all about ways to increase student success. And I mentioned that one of those ways was to chunk information into small bite-sized pieces as you're teaching it and only have students focus on one new piece of information at a time. And this is why. It's because our working memory can only take in so much new information. It can't be overloaded or that information, that new information will be lost. In fact, one study shows that working memory can only keep information for about 20 seconds. Isn't that crazy? Anyways, in this working memory, that's where we have these two channels that I mentioned earlier. The channels that we use to take in new information. The audio, the auditory channel, and the visual channel. And the auditory channel, obviously, it's the channel that handles information that's heard while the visual channel processes information that is seen. But here's the exciting part. Here's the important part. When information is presented in both the visual and auditory channels at the same time, working memory can actually handle more information overall. So that's why the use of multimedia, which presents information in both visual and audio forms, can have a greater impact on student learning. Now, before I go on, we do need to be careful that we don't just overload our students' brains with too much audio and visual stimulation at the same time, because that's not effective either. But the use of effective media where the audio and visual complements each other, that's what we're aiming for. So what does effective multimedia look like then? Well, here are a few guidelines that I found in my own research. And by the way, I'll link to an article in the show notes that shares a lot of this information. I promise I'm not just making it up. It is backed by several studies of the brain over the course of several decades. So if you do love to dig into the research, I'll share an article that I think brings it all together really nicely. All right, what we do know about effective multimedia is that one, words and pictures are better than just words alone. And words could mean written words or spoken words or both. And when you combine those written or spoken words with pictures, it helps the brain process more information. We also know that multimedia is more effective when it's interactive and under the control of the learner. I spoke about this last week when we talked about the components of a 21st century classroom. 
And it includes activities that are self-paced and student-controlled. And this helps increase the success of students. When students can control the pace at which they're learning new information, they're going to learn it better. They're going to learn more. And even more than that, when students can interact with their learning and they can manipulate stuff and they can start and stop and begin again on their own time, even better. Here's another element of effective multimedia, animation. Multimedia instruction that includes animation can improve learning. This is especially helpful for trickier concepts that are hard to understand because animation can breathe new life into it and present it in a new way that helps break the concept down or makes it more applicable for the student. An animation that includes both the visuals of the animation accompanied by narration helps our brain to process new information even better. And again, this is making use of both the auditory and visual channels, allowing them to work together because we have the animation on the screen, that's our visual, and we have the narration that goes with the animation behind it. So we got them both working together and our brain can process it. We also know that multimedia is most effective when the content and format actively engages the learner. So a perfect example of this is if there's a character on the screen, on a computer screen that students are watching, and it's talking directly to the student. If the character appears to interact with the learner and uses words like you and I, it's more conversational and they're going to be more engaged. Multimedia learning is also most effective when learners can apply their newly acquired knowledge and receive feedback. So we not only want to provide our students with multimedia instruction to take in new information, but we also want to allow them to apply that new information immediately so that they can transfer that knowledge from their working memory into their long-term memory. So providing a way for them to then apply their new knowledge is key. And feedback is equally as important. And we did talk a lot about this last week when we talked about the use of rubrics and how using rubrics written in kid-friendly language can help give our students some feedback so that they can take action on it. And it gives them some guidance as well and sets the expectation for learning. And finally, multimedia is most effective when the same information is presented in a variety of ways. So whether that's print or audio or video or other visuals, when we present new information using more than one of those ways, We are giving our students the opportunity to see and understand that new information from several different angles. More and new exposure to the same information helps the brain to process and commit that new learning into long-term memory. Okay, I know I just threw a lot of new information out at you, a lot of information about the brain, and if you take away nothing else from this episode, here's the bottom line. Our students are what we consider digital natives. Technology has become one of their native learning languages and including effective multimedia as part of your everyday instruction can significantly enhance student learning because multimedia instruction supports the way our brain processes new information. So the question is this, how can we incorporate multimedia learning in our classroom so that all students can connect to what they're learning? In what ways are we already supporting our students with multimedia experiences and have already seen students succeed? We need to do more of that. Where can we add multimedia learning into your instruction so that you can elevate the student's learning experience? Okay, I know that was three questions, but what can I say? I'm a little passionate about this. What I want you to be thinking about and the questions that I just posed to you, I want you to be thinking about them because next week we are going to dive into ways that we can take action on what the research says. What we've learned today, we're going to learn how we can now apply it to the classroom. 
And before we go, I want you to know that one of the ways that I personally am committed to helping teachers have access to effective multimedia instruction is through my Linktivity Learning Membership. It's a brand new membership that I put together. And if you are unfamiliar with Linktivities, they're essentially interactive digital learning guides that can take a topic and present it in a multimedia format that lets students truly explore a topic at their own pace and have it in their own control and interact with it using a lot of the effective multimedia features that we just talked about. And inside the Linktivity Learning membership, teachers can get access to my entire library of Linktivities for one low monthly price or annual price if you want to save even more. And once you're a member, you not only get access to the Linktivities that are already inside the membership right now, which by the way, includes over 60 in all content areas and it keeps growing every single month, but you will get immediate access to all future Linktivities each month as they're added at no extra charge. They'll already be included as your membership. So if you wanna learn more about Linktivities and the Linktivity Learning membership, just head over to classroomnook.com forward slash Linktivity and we'll also link to it in the show notes as well. All right, thanks for getting nerdy with me today, guys. I don't often talk about brain research here on the podcast. It's not really my jam, but I do believe that it's important for teachers to know the why behind what we do. And on the flip side, I think it's also important to know the why behind what we stop doing in our classrooms. And when it's time to retire outdated teaching practices and replace them with current best practices that will help us create a 21st century classroom. So thanks for staying with me into the end here as we explored a little bit more of the science side of student learning, because I really think it helps us as teachers to feel confident that what we're doing in our classroom is backed by science. So thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you'll join me again next week as we continue to explore this whole idea of multimedia learning and learn some actionable tips that you can use right away in your classroom. I hope you have a great rest of the week and I will be back again next week with another episode. Bye for now.